Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we would walk in the light as you are the light. Shine on our hearts this morning. Open us more fully to you so that we don't stumble in darkness, but know your abiding love. In Christ's name, amen. Have a seat. You know, if I'm honest, sometimes I really just don't like reading the Bible. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not stopping. I read it pretty much every morning, um, but when I really read it, and whenever you write a sermon, you really read it again and again, when I really read it, some of these passages, uh, they poke at me, right? Uh, they go from being nice to meddling in my life. And 1 John is one of those letters that pokes and pokes and pokes. And if you don't get it in the first chapter, it'll catch you in the second. And if you don't get it in the second, it'll catch you in the third. It's kind of, John goes on and on and zeroes in like a drone or something worse, poking at us. So let's look at today's poke. Uh, John begins by saying, I'm not giving you a new commandment, I'm giving you an old one, one that was from the beginning. And yet it is a new commandment. And if you remember what the new commandment is, love one another, love one another how? as Jesus loved us, as I have loved you. It's not the first commandment, love God. It's not the second commandment, love others as yourself. It's a third, it's a new commandment that Jesus, as you remember, in John's gospel, John's assuming you've read it, in John's gospel, Jesus says this to his disciples just before he dies. Okay, circling, the, circling them around, close up, Love one another as I've loved you. So how'd God love us? How'd Jesus love us? He died, right? But not only that, if you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels from day one to day whatever, he loved us with costly, sacrificial love over and over. He loved the unlovable. He loved those who didn't deserve it. He loved those who were furious with him over and over. That's how he loves, even when it would get him in trouble. He stood up for those people in love, even when the it ticked off the authorities as it did, right? So how am I doing? That's what John's asking. How am I doing? How about you? How are you doing? at loving one another. That means especially within the household of faith. How are you doing at loving one another as Jesus loved us? And then John just sticks it in us, right? He says, if you say you love God, but you don't love one another, sorry. Whoever loves his brother and sister walks in the light. 
And whoever hates his brother and sister is in darkness, stumbling around, blinded, unable to see. So how's your eyesight according to this? How are you doing? I don't hate anyone, I say when I first reading it. You know, I'm trying to think. I don't hate anyone. Then I, oh, toward whom have I hardened my heart? Or written off? Or subtly or not so subtly looked down on? Who do I avoid? I don't want to have that conversation. And to whom do I hold back? Not being generous with love and other things. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing? Who are you not loving as Jesus loved you? And I'm going to pause for a minute. And I want you to ask God, who, God, who am I not loving as you love me? Now, if I'm honest, I'm good at noticing this in others. You know, I can tell when they're not loving others as Jesus loved them. But whenever I do that, it turns back on me. You know, those angry people, furious with others, hard-hearted, there are a bunch of them around these days, right in here, right in our midst. What about me, though? Am I loving them, these angry people, as Jesus loved them and as Jesus loved me? Am I loving them with costly, sacrificial love? Even when they're spitting with fury, hissing? Or do I harden my heart and say, well, look at her? That's what John, that's why I don't like reading it, right? <laughs> at one level. Because Guilty as charged. And then there's the end of this passage. It doesn't let us off the hook either. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, the love of the world cannot coexist with the love of God. Harsh, strong, black and white words. And then he goes on to explain what love of the world is. Desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride and possessions. Now, I don't think this means we shouldn't delight in marital, marital love or a luscious apple or a gift, a precious gift that someone's given us, right? God created a universe full of delight. This morning at the nine, I could say, look around at all the shades of green. God did that. And, you know, on the seventh day, when God rested, it wasn't that he was exhausted. He's God. No, he, he rested so he could delight in his creation. And he calls us delight in it, too. But there's a line there, isn't it? John challenges us to look at our lives, to let God's light shine into our lives, and to notice What's filling our minds? 
What's drawing our attention away from him? To face what's calling us away from God's way, away from God's love, shutting off that flow from God that he is eager to move through us. Here are a couple of questions that help me know to what extent I'm loving the world. See if they help you. Where does my mind wander during prayer time or the sermon? What things, ask yourself with God looking over your shoulder, what things, if I were to lose them, would make me furious? Not sad, but furious. You know, I still remember the first wedding present I got in the old days when you sent out the invitations and people would send you gifts. Some of you are old enough to remember that time. Anyway, it was a Steuben glass bud vase with a little like air hole in the middle. I mean, it was beautiful. I loved it. And I loved it too because they were very good friends of the family who gave it to me. And uh, a year or two ago, it got broken. Fortunately, I don't remember who broke it. But what was my response? You know, my first response is, Rah! but uh, fortunately, I've come a ways, right? I didn't stay there. Like, that person didn't mean to break something precious to me. Uh, but are there things that would? Are there things that if my grandchildren wrote on them or ripped, I'd be furious. How about this? What activities make me panicky or um, grouchy if I don't get to do them? Golf used to be like that for me. You know, if I didn't get to the range, if somebody called me at the office just as I was taking off to play, I'd kind of be ticked. Right? Or panicky, like, I'm not going to get enough times to play in this week. Right? That's loving the world more than loving God. That's blocking my ability to receive God's love. Uh, sometimes bedtime reading, you know, if I don't have a book ready, I get panicky. Now, wait a minute. That's depending on something to nourish me instead of God. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with playing golf or or reading before I go to bed, but when do those things turn into something that draw me away from God? And there's probably a whole other, there is a whole other list I could share with you. And how about you? What's your list? Or how about this? What does my credit card reveal about my love? These questions Asking these questions with sort of like God looking over my shoulder, uh, they're very helpful. Help me to answer honestly before God, help me, help me. I love my house. I love it. In the woods, it's beautiful. And um, I, have a, I have a right to love my house, just saying. Uh, my mother was an interior de decorator. 
my two sisters were, and one of them had an apartment and architectural digest. So design, interior design was a family proposition. Like it's what all the girls did. Like we talk about it and we obsess over it. All right. But when does my delight in color and design become a block to God's love? When does my house cease to be a place to offer hospitality and love and become a place I'm proud of? Not proud of in the good sense, but, you know, show off. As I said, I took up golf late in life. It was hard. I shouldn't have done it. You know, I was too old to take it up. Um, but I discovered it really helped my mental health because the focus that's required, some of you are nodding, those golfers, the focus it required, you couldn't think of anything else. And I have this mind, my interior voice never shuts up. Some of you might think that's true of me too, but in any case, it never shuts up, except when you're playing golf, it shuts up because I'm just thinking about the next shot. Uh, but I found, as I said earlier, panicky when I couldn't get to the range, irritated when caring for a relationship meant I couldn't play. So when am I, when are you blocking your love of God because of your love for the world? You know, the, something good gone awry. Something good turned into a blockage. So friends, that's why I sometimes don't like reading the Bible. Um, guilty as charged. Except, except these hard words, this shining of light that reveals all the little dark spaces or some of the big, uh, are words of life. John speaks them and God speaks them to us because he knows what's best for us. He wants better for us. He wants us freed. He wants us experiencing his love, right? And knowing the joy that only can come from that. And wait, you might have noticed, or maybe you didn't, that I skipped the middle part of the passage. So let me read it to you again now. Listen to it as I read, as if John were speaking to you. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. That's the first set of three I'm writing to use. And now a second set. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Both of these sections, right, these two sections, each of three phrases, uh, clauses, both of them start with children. Did you notice that? And the first one, little children, um, it's a diminutive. 
So we don't really have a lot of diminutives in English, but some of your translations, if you read it in another translation, might say, dear children, right? Sweet ones, you know, uh, children in the sense of, oh, I care for you and I want Jesus to be formed in you. Can you hear that? Dear children, little ones, uh, not that we're little, but that's how he feels, tenderness. Uh, last night I had a friend for dinner and as she left I said goodbye sweet one that's the kind of thing sweet one my heart was tender toward her she's carrying a heavy load and and so that's what John is saying to us oh dear ones listen listen I'm writing to you right and here's why your sins are forgiven for his namesake and then later I write to you children because you know the father so little children is not a separate subset from the fathers and the young men. It's the overarching one. Okay, my flock, my dear little flock, I'm writing to you. Your sins are forgiven for Jesus' name's sake. And you know the Father. So yes, pay attention to these challenges I'm giving you, but don't forget who you are, right? Your sins are forgiven. You're the ones who are forgiven. You know the Father, so live up to it. Live up to your identity. You can do this. And then two groups of beloved ones, two subsets. Fathers, um, that's a generic, so guys, you know, generic, and young men, but also generic, not just men, right? Fathers, old timers. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He calls them veterans, right? These are, these are the folks that are battle tested, right? They, uh, and he says the very same thing to fathers, the veterans, the hangers in there, the old timers. He says the same thing. You know him who is from the beginning. And who's that? Who's from the beginning? It's Jesus. You know Jesus, he's saying, pointing back all the way to the beginning of the letter, who we've seen, who we've touched, who we've heard and, and know. You know him who was from the beginning. So pay attention to this, but don't forget that. This is the Jesus you know, who's right beside you. And then um, he, Peterson writes, you were in on the ground floor, and you know who started it. That's what he's saying to the deeply devoted, the ones who've been hanging in there with God. And then um, young men, young bucks, right? Newcomers. Uh, sorry, looking at the young bucks next to me here, sorry. Uh, you know, the young guys and gals, uh, listen what he says, and you can hear it, right? You have overcome the evil one, right? You get it. You've got this gusto. And then he says, you are strong. The word of God abides in you. And then again, you have overcome the evil one. In other words, come on, guys, you can do it. I've watched you. Come on, get with it. Up and at him. You are up to this. That's why I'm pointing these out. 
because I want you to walk in it, walk in what you were created for. I have a group of intercessors who pray for me, and some of them have been praying for me for a very long time. And uh, I send them an email, and you might, you know, in my, say, let me put this, in my recent occupation, they have gotten letters more frequently than at other times in my life. All right, got it? A couple of you are understanding what I'm saying, like I'm writing them a lot. And so in a recent letter I said, I don't know if I can do this. And then this one woman who's prayed for me uh, for a lot of years, from before I was here the first time, right? From the time I was at All Saints Woodbridge. And then she moved to Pittsburgh not long after we did. And so she prayed with me in person then and she's still praying for me now. Um, she wrote back, I'm praying and you can. God's got this, right? Uh, I don't know, I felt that so encouraging. God's got this. You can because God's got this and I'm praying, you know, wrapping it. And I, I thought, I don't know. And then I started thinking back to all the challenges I've faced in other times in my life. And I thought of what I was like when she first started praying for me, what a mess I was. Not that I'm not a mess now, but what a mess I was. How, what things made me so angry? What things made me so scared? How, but God used me, even the mess I was. And God kept using me and God, has shaped me, right? I'm not as mad at everything that I was mad at before. I'm learning to trust God and do trust him more with things much harder than would have wiped me out before, right? That's what John is saying. Come on, you young guys, gals. Come on, you vets. You can do this. God is with you and I'm praying. Dear children, may we all hear what John says to his little flock. Little in the sense of dear, right? Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You know the Father. So even when we don't like what we're reading, even when it's hard to face the darkness in our own lives, not loving others as he loves us, loving the world that is passing away, let's say yes. Let's say yes, trusting God to shape us and make us people of God he's designed to be. And, and remember, he is saying it to you and you and you and you right? But he's also saying it to y'all, or as we say in Pittsburgh, yins, right? It's to us corporately. How about you? How are you doing at loving? Look around. Look around. How are you doing at loving those around you in our body? How are you doing? How are you doing at not loving the world? How are you doing at letting God's love in? Let's say yes. Let's become the people God created us to be. Pray with me, please.
Help me. Help us, Lord, to be your people, to live up to the identity you've given us in Jesus. Help us to allow your light to shine on us so we aren't in darkness stumbling around. And God, I especially pray that for us as a body, for Truro. We long to walk in the light and no longer in the darkness. So shine your light on us, showing us the places where we're falling short, that we might become a people whose sins are forgiven for his name's sake because we face them, that we may become a people who've overcome the evil one because you are with us, that we may be a people who know you, who is from the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen.